Welcome back to the Hemingway List, Year of War and Peace. We're talking about Book 1, Chapter 12. Is Anna Mikhailovna admirable in her efforts to secure a future for her son, or are her actions deserving of the judgment she seems to receive from Prince Vasily and her own son, Boris? Yeah, they, I really love the relationship between her and Boris. Like, Boris, you know, it's his mum. You can't, you can't say no to your mum, but he's also... He, is mortified that he has to do these things. Like he, he's very embarrassed. You feel for the kid. Uh, do you think Anna, Mik- Anna Mikhailovna will be successful in securing part of Count Pesikov's estate after his death? It's a good question. Uh, and these, by the way, these questions are from user user uh, seven of nine. Prince Vasily says near the end of the chapter, he just sits there. Here, sorry, he sits. He just sits here. The count has never once asked about him when speaking about Pierre. With Pierre being the possible heir to the Bezikov fortune, and with Count Bezikov being so close to death, why do you think they haven't spoken? Samantha Cruz said, Anna is such a magnificent actress. Haha, <laughs> I love Anna. I think she's really entertaining. For all her conniving, it's very entertaining. She's, she mentions her familial connections with Count Bezikov six times in this short chapter, she demands to be properly announced by the footman, who doesn't bother to announce her himself. As you can tell, she is not high on the pecking order. When Vasily comes out of his suite, Anna suddenly has a grief-stricken face, perfectly rehearsed. She makes sure Boris adheres to her expectations of social etiquette. And my favourite, Anna really laying it on thick with, ah, it is awful, the duties of a Christian. Yeah, I love that that's her angle, that she really wants to get a word in with Count Bezukhov, and she goes with the, um, you know, he's got to do his Christian duties, and... It's awkward to ask him for it, so, you know, send me and I'll do it. We're close. He's my uncle. You know, really hamming it up. I wonder if helping Boris, i.e., oh, sorry. I wonder if helping Boris is the lie Anna tells herself and others to justify her seemingly incessant opportunism because it seems like it's more for her own sake sometimes. Oh, that's interesting. Great comment, by the way, Samantha Crew, and I love that you took the time to count how many times she name-drops her connection to Count Bezikov six times in this chapter. Brian E. Denton said, Re Vasily's comment, he, he, Vasily, is probably responsible for keeping them, Pierre and his father, apart. Can't have the other relations getting close now that death is upon the old Count and inheritance is up for grabs. I never thought about this line much until today. Thanks. Yeah, I think I remember in... Maybe it was when I was doing the rewrite, doing the Bogan translation, thinking that Vasily is um, probably intentionally keeping them apart. Uh, but it's good that it's good that sort of you don't really know, do you? You can't really tell at this point, especially you don't you don't know who's doing what. There's some moves happening, but you don't know who's doing what. Uh, Real skydiver says. If I was her son, I'd be really embarrassed, but she seems to be aware of how others might might perceive her and how they don't want to be rude, so they might as well give her what she wants just to be rid of her. Regarding the Count, I wouldn't be surprised if he gives his fortune to somebody completely else. Um, very cool. Hey, this is... Uh, sorry. Just trying to scroll through the comments. <laughs> it's terrible podcasting. I was going to say something just then, and then I had a mental blank. Oh, you know what I was going to say is 
um, well done everybody for holding on through these first few chapters you know every year I've kept an eye on the year of war and peace subreddit from the start and there's a lot of optimistic people in the first week and then they get a bit of a taste of all the names going around and the context being quite obscure in our modern world and the drop-off is usually pretty big like you know obviously we get a lot of people that stick it through but also we get a lot of people who in the first week will drop off and what I'm seeing is we're two weeks in and I mean there's the obvious there's always going to be some drop-off but we're still getting conversations every day of you know 60 70 80 comments um I mean, yesterday's conversation had, what, 64 comments at the moment. That's really impressive for two weeks in that we're still, there's still so many active participants. Um, And I love it. And I hope it it carries through. I mean, I'm sure it will. So well done, guys, for sticking with it. I think the hardest part is kind of, I don't know, well, I'd say the hardest part is over in terms of like finding your, uh, equilibrium within this new context you know if you're stuck through it this far and you're not perturbed by you know too many names or too many obscure references then you're pretty much at the point now where everything will start to settle in and you'll start to figure out who the main characters are and you know what life was like back then uh, and that you know that won't happen straight away but we're getting there if that makes sense uh, we're past the point where most people drop off, is what I'll say. So, well done. All right. What else am I going to read today? Apologies if I may have missed this in an earlier chapter, but, and this is Order from Chaos saying this, have we been told anything about why Anna Mikhailovna is so apparently strapped for cash? Is she really? Yeah, I think she mentions a uh, being widowed and a court, uh, not a court case, being sued or something like that. A lawsuit is what it was, draining her financially. Stained Glass Eyes said, This chapter had me laughing out loud at the sheer greed and manipulation Anna portrays. I was pretty uncomfortable and cringing through the entirety of the chapter. I think Prince Vasily wants Pierre out because of both his personality and potential inheritance up the Count's fortune. I'm finally starting to make sense of the characters, but I know there are tons more coming. Loving it so far, I don't think Anna will be getting what she's hoping for because she just comes off as insincere and desperate. Pretty gross. That manipulation is true. A true talent of hers. You know, stained glass eyes. <clears throat> I'd say by now we've nearly met all of the main players, all of the main, main characters. And I love that, even as someone who's read the book before, there, you know, I can tell you the top five main characters, but then there's also, it's hard, you know, like who would be the top 10? It's really hard to say. Like there's so many kind of very close secondary characters who you could almost say are main characters, you know, like the, um, I don't know, like a, a, a Malfoy, you know, <laughs> in Harry Potter terms. Is he a main character or a secondary character? He's not in the top five. Or is he? You know what I mean? Like, there's heaps of characters like that. And we've met quite a few of those as well, and there'll be more to come. But um, no, you're doing well. You're doing well. All right. But I won't even say who those are, you know, because the fun of it is seeing who kind of makes it through this this fray at the start, who 
kind of continues throughout the novel as a mainstay. All right, I reckon let's read chapter 16 or 13, 16 if you're reading Maud. And um, oh, these are great chapters at the moment. I'm really enjoying these bits, especially when you've got Mikhailovna and Vasily in the scene. Oh, it's good stuff, really good stuff. And there's so many good chapters to come. All right, here we go. Chapter 16 goes like this. Oh, by the way, actually, before I do that, <clears throat> I will say this. I am going on a little four-day getaway um, tomorrow morning. I'll be back in four days. I am still going to be able to podcast. I'm taking my little mobile setup, but I, I am going. I'm going to Sandy Point, which is at um, near Wilson's Prom. So if you want to be really jealous, look up Wilson's Prom in Victoria and um, be really jealous of where I'm going for the next four days. Um, <clears throat> and it is summer here, by the way. Just keep that in mind, just so you get peak jealousy. Uh, <laughs> um, but that's where I'm going. And, and it's pretty remote. So I, the internet you know, says there's Wi-Fi where we're staying, but I'm just foreseeing that you know, if podcasts are late or, or something like that, or if there's technical difficulties, it'll be because of that. It should be fine. And the other thing, I won't be doing any of my streaming for four days, um, my translation work. I'll still be doing it, and I'm going to be loving just kind of working on that while I'm down at the beach. But, um, yeah, I won't be doing the streaming until I get back. So, uh, yeah, cool. Just letting you know that. And I've lost my place here. Okay, chapter 16 slash 13. Here we go. Pierre only, really only piss-farted around in Petersburg. He quickly caused enough mischief that he was kicked out back to Moscow. The rumour from Count Rostov's was true. Pierre really did help the lads tie a policeman to a bear. He'd now been back in Moscow for a few days, where he'd been holed up at his dad's. The ladies that lived at, this, at his dad's hated him. He just knew it, and he was sure that they would have had a field day telling his dad all about the bear and the copper fiasco. No doubt, trying to make it sound worse than it was. Still, on the day of his arrival, he went to his father's part of the house, greeting the ladies as he crossed through the drawing room. Two of them, the younger and prettier two, were sitting at embroidery frames while the third read out loud. The two pretty ones were basically the same, except one had a little mole on her lip, which made her slightly hop hotter. All three of them greased him off. Pierre felt about as welcome as a drop bear, or a zombie, or a zombie drop bear. The oldest of the princesses paused her reading and stared at him silently, looking shit-scared. The second now wore the exact same expression of shit-fear, while the youngest, the one with the sexy mole, who was a bit more chipper and lively, bent over her frame to hide that she was smiling, probably because she expected the unfolding scene would be amusing. She was hardly able to refrain from pissing herself laughing. She pulled the wool through the canvas, stooping as if trying to make out the pattern. "'How are you, cousin?' said Pierre. "'Don't you recognise me?' "'Oh, yeah, I recognise you just fine.' "'How's the Count? Can I see him?' asked Pierre, awkwardly as usual, but not shyly. The Count isn't doing well. They say he's pretty much cactus. He's suffering mentally, physically, and no thanks to you, by the way, with all the shit you've caused. Can I see the Count? Pierre asked again. Hmm, yeah, sure, if you wish to straight up kill him, then you can see him. Sure, 
Olga, go see if Uncle's beef tea is ready. It's almost time, she added, hinting to Pierre that they were busy, busy making his father comfortable while he was doing nothing more than being a massive pain in the ass. Olga walked off. Pierre lingered like a bad smell, looking at the sister. Then he bowed and said, suppose I'll go to my rooms. Let me know when I can see him, will you? And he left the room too, the low but ringing laughter of the sister with the mole following him. Next day, Prince Vasily had arrived and made himself at home at the Count's house. He sent for Pierre, telling him, Mate, listen, if you're going to be a ratbag here like you were in Petersburg, it will not end well for you. That's all I've got to tell you. The Count, your father, is not in a good nick, and you really shouldn't see him at all. Since then, no one had disturbed Pierre even once, and he spent his time alone in his rooms upstairs. When Boris appeared at his door, Pierre was pacing back and forth, stopping now and then to make nasty gestures at the wall, as if stabbing a sword through some invisible enemy and making, and sorry, and giving the stink eye over his specs. And then again, walking back and forth, hissing and spitting nonsense threats, shrugging his shoulders and gesturing savagely. England is fucked, said he, gritting his teeth and pointing his finger at an invisible traitor. Yeah, Mr. Pitt, that's right. We're on to you, you traitorous cu- But before, Pierre, who at that moment was pretending to be Napoleon and having just crossed the Straits of Dover and capturing London, could finish accusing Pitt of treason, he saw a well-built and handsome young officer entering his room. Pierre froze. He hadn't lived in Moscow since Boris was fourteen and had forgotten him, but in his usual impulsive happy-go-lucky way he grabbed Boris by the hand with a friendly smile. "'Do you remember me?' asked Boris, smiling pleasantly. "'I've come with my mother to see the Count, but they reckon he's pretty crook.' "'Yeah, it looks like he's pretty much... cactus?' "'Yes, that. People are always bothering him,' answered Pierre, trying to remember who the hell this guy was. Boris didn't realise that Pierre didn't recognise him, and so didn't introduce himself, and without any embarrassment whatsoever, he looked Pierre straight in the face, and after a long pause that made Pierre uncomfortable, said... Count Rostov wants you to come to dinner today. Oh, shit, Rostov, exclaimed Pierre happily. You're the young Rostov. Ilya, mate, I didn't recognise you at first. Do you remember when we went to Sparrow Hills with Madame Jacou? What a time. Ha, <laughs> no, mate, I'm Boris. I'm Anna Mikhailovna Drubetskaya's son. And Ilya Rostov is the father. His son is Nicholas. And I don't know a Madame Jacou. Pierre shook his head and arms, as if a swarm of mozzies was attacking him. Oh, shit, what am I saying? You're right, yeah, I got it all backwards. I know too many people in Moscow, that's the problem. So you're Boris. Right, oh, yeah, well, we got that sorted. Oi, what do you reckon of the Boulogne expedition? The English will be knackered if Napoleon gets across the channel. I think the expedition is doable, though, as long as Villeneuve doesn't fuck it up. Boris didn't know jack shit about the Boulogne expedition, he didn't read the papers, and he'd never heard of this Villeneuve character. We Moscow folk are more interested in dinner parties and gossip than politics, said he with a roll of his eyes. I don't know anything about it, to be honest. Moscow is a very gossipy place, he continued. At the moment, everyone is talking about you and your old man. Pierre was a good bloke. He smiled awkwardly, as if his main concern now was that Boris might say something now he'd regret later. But Boris was careful about his words and continued speaking clearly, dryly, and with confident eye contact. All they do in Moscow is gossip. They're all just wondering who will get the Count's fortune, and when he's gone, though you never know, he might outlive all of us. I hope he does, really. 
Yeah, it's all a mess right now, interrupted Pierre. Shock and mess. Pierre was still worried that his officer, that this officer might put his foot in his mouth. You must be thinking it's all a bit, said Boris, flushing a little now, but not losing his confident attitude. Well, like everyone is just trying to get something out of your father. Yeah, pretty much, thought Pierre. Anyway, just so you know, if you're thinking me and my mother are like that, we're not. I mean, we're very poor, but, well, at least for my part, it's because your father is rich that I don't feel like any relation of his. I would never ask or take anything from him, neither would my mother. It took Pierre ages to let this sink in, and then it finally did, and he jumped up from the sofa, grabbed Boris under the elbow in his quick, clumsy way, and blushing, even more than Boris, he started speaking with a mixture of shame and frustration. Oh, bloody hell, this is weird. Were you thinking that I was thinking that... No, who could think... Oh, I know very well. But Boris again jumped in. I'm glad I fully spoke out. Did you not like what I said? Sorry, I hope I didn't offend you, said he, putting Pierre at ease instead of being put at ease by him. But I always make it a rule to speak out. Well, what should I tell the Rostovs? Are you coming to dinner? And Boris, having apparently relieved himself of this pain in the ass errand and removed himself from the awkwardness of the situation, placing Pierre into it, became quite calm and pleasant again. No, but really, said Pierre, calming down too, you're a top bloke. What you just said was awesome, really awesome. Of course, you don't know me. We haven't met since we were whippersnappers. Maybe you think that I... I, I understand. I think I understand. I could have spoken out like that. I'm too... I couldn't have spoken out like that. I'm too gutless. But it was awesome that you have. I'm real glad to have run into you today. It's so weird, he added after a pause, uh, that you suspected me. He began to laugh. Well, anyway, fuck it. I hope we'll get to know each other more. And he pressed Boris's hand. Do you know I haven't once been able to see the Count yet? He hasn't asked for me. I feel so bad for him as a man, but what am I supposed to do if he doesn't want to see me? And so do you reckon Napoleon will manage to get an army across? Asked Boris with a smile. Pierre could tell that Boris was trying to change the subject and agreeing that this was a good move, he started explaining the pros and cons of the balloon expedition. A footman came into the inn to summon Boris. His mother was ready to leave. Pierre decided he wanted to get to know Boris a bit more and promised to come to dinner. He shook his hand, looking kindly at Boris over his specs. After he had gone, Pierre continued pacing back and forth in his room for ages. But now he wasn't stabbing an imaginary enemy to death. He was smiling, remembering that pleasant, smart and resolute young bloke. As always happens in early youth, especially to someone who's a bit of a loner, he felt real happy to have met Boris and made up his mind that they would be friends. Prince Vasily saw the princess off. She held her hanky to her eyes, mopping at her tears. It's just bloody awful. Awful, she was saying. But whatever the cost, I will do what I need to do to help. I'll come and stay the night. He can't be left like this. Every second is precious. Why the heck do his nieces put it off? Maybe God will step in and help me find a way to prepare him. Adieu, Prince. May God support you. Adieu, Mavon, answered Prince Vasily, turning away from her. Oh, he is cactus indeed, said the mother to her son when they were in the carriage. He hardly recognises anyone. What do you mean? What does he reckon of Pierre? asked the son. That will be revealed in his will, sweetie. Our fate also depends on it. Do you really think he'll leave us anything? Oh, sweetie, of course. He's so rich and we're so poor. True, but that isn't really a reason, Mum. 
Ah, oh, damn it, he's so sick, exclaimed the mother. Alright, there we go, another chapter down. Boris meets Pierre. Very, very cool. And Mrs. Mikhailovna got a chance to uh, to meet to meet um, the count. Very cool. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow from the beach. <laughs>